This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Last week we talked about the high priestly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he's the mediator of the new covenant. He's the guarantee of the covenant. He's the agent. And we need to recognize him as high priest. And how do you do that? You give to him. He's after the order of Melchizedek. And he, he blessed us. And our response back is just like Abraham. We give our tithe and give our offerings unto him. So God wants us to, to honor the one who died for us, the one who paid the price, and he's worthy of all praise. So we recognize him, and it even connects to where we can come boldly to the throne room of grace and receive mercy and help in time of need. And really it's connected with him being high priest there. Now, does God love us even if we're not putting him first or even if we're not honoring him with the tithe and with offerings? Yes, he does. He loves us. But he is limited in what he can do because he's just not a very good second. He is first. And he responds to being first. And he's to be our first love. We meet on the first day of the week, Sunday, to get the rest of our week blessed. We meet with God. We come together as a family. You're, you should rise up early in, in the morning, start your day with God. And uh, some of us stay up late, and I'll wait till it goes past midnight, and then it's morning. And, but you start your day with the Lord, and, and you do things first. You put Him first, and He wants to be a part of every, every single thing that we do. He should be the center of it. And that's the way that you have a blessed life. You have Him in the middle of everything that you do. So we recognize, we acknowledge, we accept him as high priest. And when we do that, we're actually building our life on a, a firm foundation, that foundation of love, adoration, and thanksgiving for what he's done for us. So we're going to continue this morning. The Lord's late, some stuff on my heart. There's so many verses, there's so much on giving. Uh, I believe the Lord did that on purpose. He had in the word because... He knows our frame. He knows the anxiety and fears that we have. Uh, we have to have money uh, to eat, to function on. But he wants to move us away from trusting money to trusting him. Because really the answer to everything is him. Money can be the delivery system that God can use or God can use another way. God is the answer, not money. And so we put our trust in God, Him being the source. And that's what God wants, wants from us. It's really not a money issue, it's heart. He wants our heart. He wants us, is what He wants. So, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus speaking, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other, you cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Mammon here is an uh, Aramaic uh, word which means wealth. Um, they got this from the Babylonians who had 
this God of wealth and, and riches. And, and, you know, Babylon's, they're the ones that did the Tower of Babel. They were saying, we don't need, need God. It was a prideful place, of uh, arrogant. Uh, and that's what Mammon says. I don't, I don't need God. I'm self-sufficient. I can make it my own. Uh, and, and that kind of spirit is what's really in the world. You could call it the Antichrist spirit, the spirit of this world. And it will try and get on believers. And he's saying here, Jesus is saying it's possible to serve mammon, but you cannot serve mammon and God. There's no in-between here. There's no middle road. You're either serving one or you're serving the other. And we want to make sure that we're serving God and putting him first. So mammon, in a biblical sense, represents a spirit that rests on money. And this spirit, money is neutral. And it's just whoever is holding it. What's, what's spirit is on that money? It's either the spirit of mammon or the spirit of God. Now, it comes out of the world system, so it all has the spirit of mammon on it. When you take it to your high priest, he redeems the rest, and the spirit of God is then on your money. And then it will supernaturally uh, multiply you can put in the ground, and you can see that seed come up. The curse is taken off the ground. The, the, the ground is cursed right now, according to the Garden of Eden. But we've been redeemed from the curse, and we acknowledge that we've been redeemed from the curse. When we give to Jesus Christ, the high priest, we give to him, we honor him, we worship him, we love on him, and say, you're first, and we demonstrate it. And what happens is then you can plant seed and come up. Then you can multiply. That's real, the real multiplication. That's real. you want to see increases after you do the tithe. We talked about the blessings uh, of the tithe. And uh, Elder Zach talked about the, the curse uh, was taken off of the ground. Which ground can also be, in the biblical sense, your, your body too, your ground. But, but anyway, um, that curse was taken off so the seed can multiply. The seed would grow and, and increase. But God doesn't need your money because he's got plenty. He owns the universe. I mean, he is extremely, extremely wealthy. He doesn't need our money. What he needs, he wants us, but what we need to do is love on him. We need to give. It changes us. He needs our faith. And faith is the currency of heaven. The currency of money uh, is the currency of the world, or money is the currency of the world. And so we, we get to take something that is, has the spirit of mammon on it, change it, transform it, something that you can't take to heaven and use it to win souls for the kingdom, to touch lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. So you take something that's temporal, that's going to be uh, destroyed. You can't take your money to heaven. You can't take your possessions to heaven. It's going to be destroyed. You turn that into something supernatural that is eternal then. That's what God wants us to do. And you lay up treasures in heaven. You have two accounts. You have an account here on earth and you have an account in heaven. 
Paul said, look, I'm, I'm talking to you about giving not because uh, I want your money. I want it laid to your account. And that's the same, uh, the, the pastors, the elders here, we, I'm not preaching this to get your money because I do have faith in God that he will get us over. <laughs> Amen. But he wants to use the body. He wants things laid to your account. And when you make those deposits, see, there's a lot of people wanting to make a withdrawal from their heavenly account. The thing is, they never put a deposit in. How do you put money into it? By faith. I come to my high priest. I worship him. He takes the tithes and offerings. He turns around and he worships and presents it to God the Father. When I do that, I just made a deposit. <laughs> In that uh, deposit was by faith. How do I make a withdrawal? The same way you put it in, by faith. And you can make a withdrawal. You can have confidence. Need comes, boom. Lord, I thank you for supplying this need according to your riches and glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I'm preaching good. Thank you. It's, it's preaching to me. So. Money that is submitted to God and his purposes has the spirit of God on it. So it multiplies and will not be consumed by the devourer. Money not submitted to God has the spirit of mammon on it. Jimmy Evans said this. I really like it. Mammon promises us things that only God can give. Security, significance, identity, independence, power, and freedom. That's what money or mammon promises us, but only God can give you that. There's a lot of miserable people that are very wealthy. Because we all have a void. We all need God. In Luke chapter 16, verse 10, it says, He who is faithful in what is least, say least, is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust and was least is unjust also in much. Therefore, he's saying because of what I just said, get hold of this. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, and you notice there in your notes, I put in parentheses, least. That's what he's talking about. If you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, the least, who will commit to you the, the trust your trust, the true riches, which is the much. Now, God is not going to go against his word. A lot of times we're believing for things, but we're skipping steps because we haven't believed for the least. If we can't trust God for the least, how are we going to believe him for the much? It's just like if I can't run a mile, I can't run a marathon. If I can't lift five pounds, I'm not going to lift 100 pounds. There's a, a process. And we, we want to skip steps, but God's looking to see, are you faithful in the least? Maybe you're stuck. Maybe you can't seem to break through or get past where you're at. Maybe it's financial, uh, just you struggle so much. Maybe you need to look back and say, am I faithful in the least? That's what God looks at. Because he wants to give you the true riches. 
He wants to give you things that money can't buy. He wants to bless your life. He's a good, good father. Just like you want to bless your children. But you got to believe for the least. What if your child came up to you and he said, Dad, um, in about four years, uh, I'm, you know, you'd said you would buy me a car. I'm, I'm just re-believing you're going to get me a car. And, but, you know, I'm not so sure about you giving me a roof over my head or feeding me. I'm just not so sure about that. Well, how are you going to believe for the car if you don't believe I'll feed you? Put a roof over your head. That's kind of what we do with God. You know, how can you believe for God to deliver you from that depression if you're not faithful in the least? How can you believe for God to heal your body if you're not faithful in the least. It's not that God's withholding because he's already healed us all. It's already been provided for in full. The thing is, you will not trust him. You probably won't be able to trust him for healing because you don't trust him in the least. And that's what the other night I was praying and the Lord just quickened to me. I remember praying. It's probably been... I know three or four people. I remember praying with them. I was praying for healing. And uh, the Lord asked me, you know, just said, ask him about giving. I said, are you being faithful in tithing and, and giving? And they said no. And I said, look, you need to be. And they, and they, they knew better. They had stopped and they, they repented right there. They were instantly healed. And they had been waiting for years to be healed. They were instantly healed. And they hadn't even taken the action. They just repented there and said they were going to. And they were healed. But then again, oh, you're buying the blessing from God. You can't buy anything from God. You can't afford it. <laughs> you're not buying no blessing from Him. You're not buying your healing from Him. All you're doing is trusting him in the least. Because trusting him financially is really the least. It's the foundation. It's just the starting point. It's unlimited where you can go. It's, it's up to us. But that's your, that's your starting point in trusting God. How can you trust him for eternity if you can't trust him to provide for you here? Trusting him in the area of finances is the least area of trust. You can't do the greater things without doing the lesser things. You can't walk 20, if you can't walk 20 yards, you're not going to climb a mountain. Doing the least, being faithful there, opens the door for you to trust God for the greater things. Many times I've had people when you teach that God said, well, do the same works as, as Jesus and greater works. People are, what's the greater works? Let's do the greater works. And I always say, let's do the same works first. Let's <laughs> not get hung up on the greater works. Let's do the same. I'd be happy to see the same some. How about you? <laughs> 
If you aren't trusting God with your finances, then you're not trusting him in the bigger things. Faithful in putting God first financially is a starting point of trusting God. You're believing for your family, someone to come to the Lord. You believe in family be restored, believing for emotional healing. You believe in for freedom from addiction. Whatever it is, check your heart. Are you putting him first in your finances? Oh, Pastor, I just don't, I just don't uh, believe that God is that concerned about your money. Well, he says he is. Because it is, it represents your life. And God connects the heart with your money. We want to separate it, but he doesn't. You try and separate it from your spouse. You never buy your gentleman, you never buy your wife anything. I'm telling you, love gives. And there's something in me when he saved my life, when he changed me, nothing's been the same, and I'm devoted to him, and I love him. Perfect? No. But I'm in love with him, and I can't help but give to him. It gives me pleasure. You know, I, I'm excited about giving to him this Christmas gift off. I'm excited. Just like I'm excited you know, used to be when the kids were little, you're excited about giving them their gift. I'm excited about coming to Jesus and loving on him with it. Hallelujah. I'm preaching barren yard, talking at me. If you'll be faithful in the least, God will trust you with things money can't buy. In verse 12, if you've not been Faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one, despise the other, cannot serve God and mammon. Billy Graham said, if a person gets their attitude towards money straight, it straightens out almost everything else in their life. The same God that promised eternal life to those who accept Jesus as Lord. Same one that said when you give, he'd give back to you, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. The same one who said you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you confess it with your mouth, you're saved, you belong to Jesus. It's the same one that says if you give, I'll give back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. The same one. He even said what you sacrifice, what you, uh, for even families and homes and land, what you sacrifice for the sake of the kingdom, I'll give back to you a hundred times more. Now, if I had the resources, and you knew I had the resources, that I could say, Every person that brings me $10 today, I'm going to give you back $1,000. Now, if you believed I was a person of my word, I had the means to do this, you would be a complete nut, idiot, not to bring me $10. I believe you would get the $10. I believe every person in here, even if you didn't have a job, you'd get the $10. Well, let me tell you, someone has promised 
to bless us back. More than we've given. And he is one who cannot lie. And he's got the resources. And he backs up what he says. It's a guarantee. That's the reason we can say we'll give you 90-day tithing challenge because he gives a guarantee. I'm not guaranteeing that he is. He backs it up. See, when you really get understanding revelation, nothing can stop you from giving. Hallelujah. Malachi 3, verse 7. This is not in your notes. Plug this in late last night. But this is from the Message Bible. I like to uh, read the Message Bible sometimes. It said, return to me so I can return to you, says God of the angel armies. You ask, but how do we return? By being honest. Do honest people rob God? But you rob me day after day. You ask, how have you robbed me? The tithe and the offering, that's how. Now you're under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. Bring your full tithe to the temple treasury so there will be ample provision in the house, in the temple. Test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. For my part, I will defend you against uh, marauders, protect your wheat fields, vegetable gardens against plunderers. The message of God of the angel armies. You'll be voted happiest nation. <laughs> You'll experience what it's like to be called a country of grace. God of the angel armies says so. How do you return to him? You give his due. You give him the honor that he is due and the love and the acknowledgement and the worship that he is due. How? By tithing and giving offerings. And when you do that, the blessing of God will be released into your life. In, in Mark chapter 10, verse 17, it says, now as he was going on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. Jesus at this time was getting some persecution. He was declaring he was the son of God. He was saying he was God. And here comes one running up to him, this young rich ruler and he comes up and he kneels before Jesus and he calls him good teacher and he said why are you calling me good there's only one good and that's God he was saying look if you're going to call me God call me God if you're not don't call me good and he had asked how do I inherit eternal life and he's telling him I'm God but see, everything looked good here. I mean, he runs, he kneels down. The appearance is this is someone really some, some, uh, sincere, someone who uh, really is taking the right actions, but God looks at the heart, and when he looked at the heart, he saw that something was wrong. He wasn't willing to humble himself and submit to the lordship of Jesus. There was a hindrance there, and Jesus uh, addresses that. He wasn't ready to make that commitment uh, to the Lord. 
He was just believing he was a good teacher. Verse 19, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false uh, witness. Do not defraud to honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, <laughs> teacher, all these saints I've kept from my youth. Now, did you notice he didn't say good teacher any longer? He said, teacher, he dropped the good. He said, no, you're not God. Hey, teacher. <laughs> All these things I've kept from my youth. Wow. Now look at this, the audacity of this guy. I have kept all the commands since my youth. How many know he was lying? He didn't need a savior. He was keeping the commandments on his own. <laughs> And here's the Savior before him. And what does Jesus do? He goes through the commandments. But he left off the first one. You'll have no other gods before me. His God was money. His God was wealth. And then the last commandment, you shall not covet. And he was coveting what money could purchase for him. He was breaking the first commandment and the last commandment. And let me help you Everything in between. Because we all need the grace of God. We all need the mercy of God. Amen? Amen? So we see here that this, this guy was deceived. The deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of the spirit of mammon. That that's all I need. He wasn't willing. And, and we'll see in in just a moment. And he, of course in the New Testament. Jesus took it a step farther. It wasn't the actions. It was the thought. You know. You, you look with lust. You commit adultery. Hang, anger. Murder. It all went to another, another level. But he was deceiving himself. Thinking he had kept them all. In verse 21. Then Jesus. I love this. This verse. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you like, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you have treasure in heaven. Come and take up your cross and follow me. So what he's doing here, Jesus is not being mean to him. He's not trying to hurt him. He loved him. He's trying to get him to stop trusting in money. He's trying to get him to shift and start trusting God. Because that's where life is. This one is bound to something that will not bring him to God. See, Jesus had to be more than just a mere man to be the Savior of the world. He's God. He's the God-man. It's both. And Jesus is, is telling him, he, he's loving him by telling him the truth. Go, sell what you have, give it to the poor, come and follow me. He's actually inviting him to come and be a disciple, follow him, be a part of his, his team. Wow, what an invitation. What an uh, incredible offer he's, he's getting here. In verse 22, but he was sad at his, 
at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions, or great possessions had him. He was telling him, trust God. Verse 23, but Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. He stressed the, the importance of, of turning your finances over to God here, or it's hard to get saved. It's hard to get born again. That's what he's saying. How hard it is for those who have riches enter the kingdom of God. His disciples were astonished at his words. Why were they astonished? Because some of them were wealthy. Some of them had fishing business and boats. What? Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, and he explains here, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Than putting your trust, to, your trust in money. And there's not a gate in Jerusalem called the eye of a needle. I believe it was the eye of a needle. It's impossible. It's impossible. And later he says, all things are possible with God. He can change the heart. So Jesus here, he actually uses finances to show the condition of this man's heart. Verse 26. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. And Jesus answered and said, Surely I say to you, there's no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now and in this time houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecution and then the age to come, eternal life. I want you to see there's two places that you, this blessing, this promise is for. It's for this life and the one to come. You get the hundredfold times blessing, what you sacrifice for God in this life. A hundred times in this life, you get it, and eternal life. It's, it's a blessing for here and there. Wow. If this young man had sowed his possessions given the poor, he would have received a hundredfold return in this life. He would have gotten it back a hundred times. But Jesus loved him and told him the truth. And you've heard me tell before that uh, many people think the young, this rich young ruler came back and got saved. And that's another message, but it's an inter interesting thought. I have some things here at the end I want to give you. When <clears throat> you can't fully mature and walk in the blessings of God until you trust God with finances. I've never seen a believer who's really mature that's not a tithe or offer, giving offerings. And you'll never outgive God. 
Trusting God for your finances is a starting place of trust, which opens greater trust in God for bigger things. When you give to God, it will come back to you increased and will be, be profitable in this life and eternity. Faithfulness in tithing and giving offerings is an investment that eternally pays dividends. I give to God out of a heart of worship, reverence, and love, honoring Father God and Jesus as my Lord. And that's really what it's about. And really, we should honor and give to Him if there was no return, no promise. But there is promise. And there is blessing to giving. It's more blessed to give than to receive. I want us to Prepare hearts if you have your envelope for your Christmas gift offering. We want to worship the Lord. We want to give this to God. At this time of year, Christmas, we want to worship Him for heart. We're going to come forward, have the ushers bring the buckets down here. And we're going to come forward to the altar and want you to give as, as we worship. want you to come to the altar and, and give. And, and when you come, just come if you can. Come with your family. Come together. And just tell the Lord Jesus, your high priest, I'm giving this to you to honor you, to worship you, to praise you, to bless you. read you one more verse before we sing and worship this is 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 it says command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth command those who are rich I mean no we're rich you go outside this country we're our poor are rich Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You're making an investment, but you're honoring the Lord. You're giving Him praise. You're giving Him your heart. Say, I'm so grateful that you came. So grateful that you saved me. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that before we even do this, that people will be healed as they walk down. That there will be freedom and peace that will invade lives as they come down and bring their offering to the Lord. I thank you, Lord, that there will be some that will experience the love of God like they never have before. Because God loves us so much. And Lord, I, 
I thank you that there will be strongholds of the enemy that come down that we'll see with clarity we'll we'll see the lies of the enemy exposed and even those hopes and those desires those dreams Lord that we've had for years you'll see and reveal the next step for that person to take to bring that thing to pass we're so grateful we're grateful people we have grateful hearts if you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org you may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277 you are Lord, I'm a sinner.